Hey, Adam. Yes, Mike. I've watched a lot of wrestling here over the holiday. I really have. I'm proud of you. I'm <laughs> proud of myself, Mike, because I have as well. We are in the busy season. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily tournament season, but it is the busy season of year-end shows, beginning of year shows. Almost every promotion in Japan is running or has run major shows around this time, big title matches, big debuts, big departures, all of the above. And we are we are in the thick of it a couple of days as we record this before Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, Happy New Year to everyone out there. I uh, had 16 matches that I wanted to watch. Actually, there were 19 matches I wanted to watch, but 16 matches that ended up becoming available. So those were the ones I, I wanted to see before the show. I saw basically nine and three quarters of them. Arisa Nakajima and uh, Horio Matsumoto, I want to watch again from the seedling show. And, you know, did I, you get the proper number of ends in seedling as you said it? I'm just I'm trying to, I, I'm just wondering if someone's doing closed <laughs> captioning of this show, I want to make sure they know which promotion it is. As, as, uh, as stardom, you know, grows westward, you know, one of the things I asked Jim Valley while Brian was on vacation was the standard question I would ask someone, even though I already know the answer to it. Should stardom change the name of their belts? You know, what it should it be the world championship as opposed to the red belt, which calls back to the triple crown and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, some promotions, they don't have to do that. Stardom, I don't believe, has to do that. You know, they don't want to, you know, give up too much of their identity, and I understand that. But Oz Academy, another one, you have the Wizard of Oz title, makes perfect sense. But with, with Seedling... I would ever say if they happen to, like, you know, get some sort of crazy American money mark, like, you know, the money mattress guy in Houston or something like that decides to reach out and buy a wrestling promotion, you know, like, you're, you're going to have to change the name of the promotion in the belts. You know, I, I don't think seedling is going to be the thing that really puts you over the top. Who knows? I didn't think that I would hear Regina D. Wave Championship dozens of times on American wrestling television up until a couple months ago. So That's good point. Good one point. never knows the the world we live in now. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Literally, That's a theme of a lot of what we're going to talk about today is is crazy things taking place. Yes, yes. And we will get to, in short order, the Stardom show. By the way, I don't think Stardom needs to change the, the names of the belts, especially considering the red belt. I mean, the alternate official name is the World of Stardom title. Well. So I feel like that's that's fairly clear. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that what the hell is a wonder of Stardom title? But, you know, I, I feel like at this point, you know, most people just refer to that as the white belt and have an idea. But um we'll get there as far as stardom is concerned but when we're talking about impossible things in pro wrestling or things that just seemed beyond surreal i don't think there's anywhere else you can start than pro wrestling noah's january 1st show their new year's day show sold out for all intents and purposes 9500 people that uh that was the capacity with the stage setup that they had main evented by one of the great Muda's final matches against, and I was told this several times on the broadcast, so I feel as though I'm contractually obligated to say it here, WWE superstar Shinsuke Nakamura. There is so much to talk about with this match, Mike, but I could spend, honestly, the entire podcast talking about just how much I loved 
Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance for this show. This was Tokyo Dome level splendor here. It was indeed. He had the full WWE theme because he was a WWE superstar, announced as such, mentioned as such, noted as such throughout the Even broadcast. Even in the graphics, he was noted as Shinsuke Nakamura, all caps, English language. They did not have the uh, uh, the Japanese lettering up on the screen at all for him. So he was all caps Shinsuke. Live electric violin playing. Love the background. Love the Noah in the... Elvis comeback special lights that they had in the background. Love the I love the look of the show. I thought this was a really good show for Noah. And the walk-in with the all-white robe, the over-the-top, just shroud, you know, wrapped around Shinsuke Nakamura coming to the ring, bowing before he gets into the ring, coming in there, and then facing off against the great Muda who Again, when it comes to the aesthetic of the great mood of the masks, he was the one who brought that sort of mask into being. And it's one that a lot of people have have obviously adapted in some way over the years, whether it just be for traditional ceremonial purposes like Sonata has or or whether it be to wrestle in like, you know, Phoenix has at times. You know, it's just incredible. And... The splendor, the over-the-top spectacle of the whole thing, Nakamura's jumpsuit in the red and the black, just absolutely over-the-top, and it really was a spectacle moment, and it was a big moment in a big show on a big night in front of a big crowd for Noah, and that's something that your hat has to go off to. Yeah, 100%. The word you said is exactly the word you use, spectacle. It's something that... In modern Japanese professional wrestling, we don't see anywhere near as much of as we saw, you know, 15 years ago when we started this podcast or even, you know, 10, 15, 20 years prior to that, you know, 80s, 90s, into the early 2000s. But here, again, sold out Budokan, 9,500 fans. This felt like one of those classic Tokyo Dome main events. And when I say classic, I don't mean a five-star, bell-to-bell, great match, but something that feels massive, feels like it's a a major happening. I I mentioned to you before we went on the air, the only thing Pro Wrestling Noah uh, did wrong with this show is not book a bigger building. Because when you heard the response to Shinsuke Nakamura, it was clear that they could have sold more than 9,500 tickets to this show. Uh, Obviously, the draw was Nakamura versus Great Muda, this one-time match. Uh, you know, that no one would have ever thought possible considering the uh, WWE status of Shinsuke Nakamura and the impending retirement of the great Muda, Keiji Muto. But, I mean, I think when you look at the draw that Muda has been uh, on this retirement tour, you know, somewhere in the three to 4,000 range for the bigger shows, you know, less than that for smaller shows. And then you look at what this show did, I think more than anything else, it drove home what a massive star Shinsuke Nakamura is, how deeply missed he is in the Japanese professional wrestling scene. And the other thing that blew me away just in terms of his performance here, uh, whether it be the entrance, whether it be the, uh, as you said, the jumpsuit, the red and black jumpsuit that exactly mimicked the red and black overmask that the great Muda had on. Uh, But more than anything, the in-ring from Shinsuke Nakamura here 
It was as though the last whatever seven years of him in WWE never existed. He looked fantastic here and answered all the questions of, well, does he still have it? Could he dial it up if and when he ever came back to Japan, even just for one-off performances? He was fantastic here and had the crowd eating out of his hands. Yeah, and and that's the reason why is because he can have the crowd eating out of his hands. He does less and gets much more out of it. And when you have a guy like Muto in there who can do very little except do the hits in quick little spurts, you need somebody who can work around you, and Nakamura did that, and he did that perfectly. And he played all of the hits and did everything, and it was perfect sports entertainment. It was perfect, as you mentioned, if you put this in the Dome, and this was the semi-main event in the Dome this year, or, you know, sandwiched, if you wanted to break up Osprey and Omega and, and the main event with uh, Okada and White, like, this is the type of spectacle you would do it with. And it would have fit there, and it fit great here. And as you mentioned, I you know, maybe there was concern over them pulling Nakamura, something weird happening, and then what do you do if you do book fifteen or 20000 But, yeah, I mean, you probably could have. And I hope for their sake they maximized every dollar they could out of tickets, out of merchandise. I'm sure that they did. So, you know, whatever they were on the line to pay WWE for this, because I'm sure there was some gratitude going back for allowing Nakamura to do it, I'm glad the whole thing worked out because it was a perfect spectacle and it was the right thing to main event this show, especially because we've seen Kiyomiya and Keno before and there's nothing wrong with that match. It was a very, very solid match. But I thought it was great. You know, I, I thought it was really good. But I thought Nakamura and Muda, that was the perfect way to go ahead and tap, you know, cl- you know, finish off the show. Because I could see why, hey, you know, we want our title match to go on last because it's going to be a great wrestling match as opposed to the spectacle. But I'm really happy the spectacle finished the show. Yeah, I think it was the only decision to make. I agree 100% with you. And I am 99 times out of 100, I say in this scenario... The world title match, the heavyweight championship match should main event the show. But as you watch the show and you heard the crowd reactions, which uh, to my understanding, by the way, this was not a show that was intended to be full crowd reactions. It was very quiet throughout. We had, but then we did have vocal reactions in the tag title match, which we'll get to momentarily. And then this crowd threw all restrictions away for Nakamura versus Great Muda. It was clear that you had a couple different types of fans. There. You obviously had the core Noah fans, whatever that is at this point, probably about 10% of the crowd here. You had the really old-time fans that come to see the Great Muda, Keiji Muto. But again, that's sealing out at about three to 4,000 fans on any of the shows that he's been on. So... You do math, and there's a good four to 5,000 fans here on this show that were clearly here to see Shinsuke Nakamura and didn't necessarily have a whole lot of familiarity with the other guys on this show. And I thought it worked out perfectly because you, if you had Nakamura and Muda going first, uh, you know, in the semi-main, maybe you would have had people leave. Maybe you would have had people not really invested in that GHC title main event. Instead, you had people vocally reacting to some of the crazy stuff that Kiyomiya was doing in the GHE heavyweight title match, that over-the-top uh, corner dive, that insane falcon arrow by Keno off the top rope to the apron, one of the most ill-advised but 
uh, wildly entertaining spots I've ever seen in, in pro wrestling. But to me, Kiyomiya came out a big star coming out of this show. And part of that was because you had the captive audience of the Nakamura versus Muto fans there waiting for that match. And to me, you could hear those people reacting vocally throughout. So, yeah, it worked out very well. And the actual Nakamura-Muto match, for what it was, uh, it exceeded my expectations as far as the bell-to-bell, given the limitations of Muda and you know, what what we've seen, or I guess to be more accurate, what we haven't seen from Nakamura in recent years in WWE. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, it just, they didn't do anything. (laughs) The old (laughs) Dusty Rhodes talking to big Bubba Rogers, you know, kid, don't do shit. You don't know how to do like, they didn't do anything they couldn't do. And there wasn't anything crazy. And Muda's hip didn't go out. And Nakamura carried the load, you know, unless it was time for the, uh, you know, Shining Wizards or, or the, you know, the, the Dragon Screw Leg Whips, you know, unless it was time for that. And then it was time for Mist. And we got our first misting in our first color. And that led to Muda using a chair and going on the offensive that way. And then, you know, ultimately... He blew mist in his face again. Uh, I believe it was uh, b- the black fur. No, it was the red first, and then it was the black. And then Nakamura at the very end, he has to suck the mist out before it gets blown in his face. And we have a different mist, then sprayed in the face of the great Muda, green mist in his face, laying him out, leading to the Kinsasha. And that was that. So it was. Again, the drama, it was great. It was the great balance of sports entertainment, old wrestlers that you love, you know, that you haven't seen in a while in their element. And Muda, obviously, you know, we have seen that way. I'm talking about Nakamura there. But it really was the best of Muda because everything went as perfectly as it could go as far as him physically in that match and then pulling out all of the stops, which people, all the hits that people reacted to anyway, which, again, makes it very difficult not to enjoy when you're watching at home and the people there are popping for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was the Muda spectacle match like we talked about, the Tokyo Dome-style Muda spectacle match. You had, you know, it, it kind of harkened back to the, the Shinzaki match, the the Liger match, um, you know, not necessarily Tokyo Dome matches for all those. But um, in the end, you basically had Shinsuke Nakamura sort of out-mooding Muto. As you mentioned, the uh, Muda goes to blow that third miss, the green miss, and Nakamura stops him. Basically kisses him, sucks the mist out, blows the mist back in his face, hits the Kinshasa, uh, which I thought it was interesting that we had uh, not only uh, Nakamura being the WWE superstar, but also he used the Kinshasa, his WWE finisher, versus the similar but different version of the running knee, the Bamaye. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was if I was to think what could this match be going into it, like this was every bit as good, if not better, than you would have expected. And it was the spectacle you would hope it to be. Uh, I mean, coming out of it, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again as far as Shinsuke Nakamura in Japan and while he's under contract to WWE. But man, if I'm pro wrestling Noah, I'm trying to figure out another way to get Nakamura again at some point, whether it be, you know, let's say for some anniversary coming up, you know, however many years it is down the line for Marafuji, you do. Nakamura versus Marafuji because this got more eyes on Pro Wrestling Noah's product than anything else has in a long, long time. And the other thing it did 
is from a perception standpoint, which that to me is one of the big stories in 2023 is the uh, the battle between Cyber Fight and Bushi Road and their respective wrestling promotions. This, and again, it's a fleeting moment and it's because of Shinsuke Nakamura, but for one night, this made pro wrestling Noah look like the biggest wrestling promotion in Japan. And the more times that they can find a way to pull that off from their perspective, the better. Well, does Nakamura want to stay in Florida forever? You know, is he happy doing that? Does he have to go back and, you know, take care of any details along the way? You know, how often is he going to be used? Because in Paul's WWE, he's not necessarily that vital right now. But he could be vital as doing something like this. You know, you still want to stay and surf every day, lay out on the beach in Florida? Great. Every couple of weeks, would you mind going over there? Because we're trying to build a relationship anyway. You know, it's one of those things that could actually work all the way around. Now, there's always that ominous detail about WWE wanting to do something, you know, and be involved in some sort of way. But, you know, if that gets Nakamura over, is that the worst thing that could happen? You know, I look at Jake Lee and Noah and I go, you know... Uh, I have anybody that I could see going to WWE at some point. Like Jake Lee is a guy I could see actually doing that at some point down the line because I'm not sure what his prospects are going to be in Japan. So, you know, if you want to kind of like fantasy books and things out that way, you know, with Nakamura not being used right now in WWE, something like this every couple of weeks, you know, six, eight, you know, whatever it's going to be, that is something that could be kind of useful. Yeah, for, yeah, and yeah, I wouldn't do it often because I think the key is is it being a big deal. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it to me the story from this show, whether it be Shinsuke Nakamura being on this show, you know, through this one time deal uh, as of now with WWE, or apparently we don't have any confirmation whether a contract has been signed, but apparently it sure as hell looks like Jake Lee is going to make pro wrestling know his home base in 2023 at least to start there's things on this show that from a perception standpoint i would imagine that bushi road in new japan can't be thrilled with uh you know we talked about the reports that you know that they weren't you know they're disappointed that they didn't get the kg muto retirement show they're worried about uh the tokyo dome you know and the perception of if muto's retirement show at the dome draws a bigger number than russell kingdom does you know, the idea that Shinsuke Nakamura came back to Japan uh, as far as not just on a WWE show, came back to, to Japan for the first time in, what, seven years and wrestled the great Muda in one of the great Muda's last matches ever. And it happened in a pro wrestling Noah ring. I can't imagine they're thrilled with that from a perception standpoint, because it's one thing that being on paper. It's another thing seeing that in action and how that played out. And then while it's a smaller thing, I mean, Jake Lee is, you know, he, he has been over the past few weeks since it was announced. I mean, he's the number one free agent on the market in Japan. And clearly, New Japan had interest in him going back to last year when uh, when Tanahashi appealed for Jake Lee to be in the G1. We saw the interaction between Jake Lee and Tetsuya Naito. Um uh, on the Fujinami show a few weeks back, uh, we saw him teaming with Zack Sabre Jr. And, and, you know, the teases of maybe that being something with uh, the ashes of Suzuki Goon, uh, Jake Lee being a part of that. Instead, 
he he seems to have chosen pro wrestling Noah. So uh, again, don't be under under any delusions that New Japan isn't the top men's promotion in Japan because it is clearly uh, by all metrics at this point. But just some interesting perception things uh, kind of boiling up that we haven't seen in a while as far as another promotion really getting some of the headlines and seeming like a big deal as well. Sting and Darby Allen coming in isn't going to be the worst thing in the world for them. Yeah. You know, one, one thing New, New Japan has is Kenny Omega and Mercedes Martinez. Or Mercedes, <laughs> I guess technically they could have Mercedes Martinez too, but you know, Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks. And we'll see what happens there as we, you know, talk about the dome later on. So they have that going for them, and we'll see what have you know takes place there. But yeah, I mean, Noah can't worry about New Japan. All Noah can worry about is is themselves and getting the booking tight and taking anything you can take away from this show that was positive moving forward and, and go with it. And finding the balance, if they even have an interest in it, but finding the balance between being the retirement home and being the promotion that can put on incredible world title matches like we saw here from Kiyomiya and Keno, and the idea of bringing in a Jake Lee, like a guy who's not past his prime. Um, Obviously, he's not a major star on the level of some of the guys in New Japan, but he's a guy that was sought after, and if you can do something with him and you can build him up to be a star, at least on the level of a Keno or a Kiyomiya, that gets someone else in that mix, and maybe it convinces other guys you know, south of 50 years old that, you know, if cyber fights throw the money around, you know, this is a place to go. So it's going to be really interesting to track that whole back and forth between the two major corporations that run the major companies in Japan. As far as other things on this show, uh, Sugiera and Kojima against Marafuji and Kenta was really good. Great crowd reactions. Obviously, it was so cool to see Marafuji and Kenta teaming together. I mean, I don't think anyone went into this show, Mike, or into this match thinking that we were going to be seeing the Marafuji and Kenta of the early to mid-2000s. Both of them have, have you know, clearly lost quite a bit off their fastballs. But for what it was, super fun, really good towards the end. And I thought, as far as in-ring performances, this is one of the best matches that Kenta has had um, in the past few years since leaving the WWE system. I thought he looked great here. Yeah, very reinvigorated, and I thought it was really cool. And I like the team of Sugiera and Kojima anyway, as, as two wacky old men teaming up together. And I thought it was, again, just a a really good match. And again, just another feather in Noah's cap to have Kenta come back and be available for this show and have this Again, have this type of match that is not necessarily, it's not native Noah Fields or anything like that, other than, you know, Sugiera being there. But, you know, the reuniting of, you know, Kenta Fuji and having Sugiera in the match with Kojima. Again, I thought it was really, really good. I don't know where you're going with the Sugiera Kojima, you know, title reign. I'm not sure who they're going to lose it to, but. You know, as long as it continues on, I'm fine with it, although it's probably not too exciting for that many people. Yeah, maybe it, it will be. Maybe they'll lose to the newly formed team, and I don't think anyone saw this coming, of Jack Morris, who got the victory over Timothy Thatcher in a match that was fine. Uh, Jack Morris and Jake Lee, apparently. Jake Lee's music hit after this match. He came out. Uh, Jack Morris was acting as though he was concerned that Jake Lee was going to take him out. Instead, they shook hands. They left together. 
And that appears to be uh, a team moving forward. So I would imagine we'll see that as a tag title match somewhere down the line. You're telling me you can't see both of those guys with those names in NXT one day? <laughs> well, maybe it'll be Jake Morris and Jack Lee. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's how, how they, we get around that. That'll be how they get around it. Um, other notable things on this show. Uh, we had Juta Miyawaki returning from his, what, like six-month excursion in Mexico. Uh, fouling to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship from Amakusa. I thought uh, Miyawaki looked great here, though. Um, I kind of expected him to win, but we didn't see that. I would imagine maybe down the line this match will be revisited and this will be what ends Amakusa's reign. Uh, And then the other thing, as far as we talked about on last week's show, the X, we speculated whether it would be Minoru Suzuki, Jake Lee, Instead, it is very fittingly on this show that had an old school feel with, you know, the great mood of the main event against Shinsuke Nakamura. We had Hiroshi Hase teaming with uh, Kaz Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Osawa Rangai to defeat Masakatsu Funaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Manabu Soya, and Hajime Ohara. Uh, Hase with the Northern Lights suplex hold on Ohara. Awesome. I thought we've seen... We've seen Hase come back here and there for matches in all Japan or elsewhere over the past few years. He looked great here. He, he uh, It was amazing considering that he's 60 years old. He looked fantastic. Trading chops with, uh, with Nakajima as Nakajima was throwing kicks. Awesome stuff. He's still tan, in great shape. You know, it facially does not look haggard or worn or weathered too much or anything like that and can still do the moves. And I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really cool. I was wondering what it was going to be. But him and, you know, it's and like he made, you know, Fujita palatable for, for one night for me. You know, <laughs> yes. and perfect out there with Funaki. So I thought, I mean, it it's Hase. And again, on, on this show, a nice little feather, a nice thing to pull out when people were thinking, okay, is it Minoru Suzuki? Who, who exactly is it going to be? And it ends up being Hase, and it's like, well, duh, that's perfect. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, he talked about perfect. He hit a perfect Uranagi, still the best Uranagi in professional wrestling by far. Hit a perfect Northern uh, Northern Light Suplex hold on O'Hara to get the win. So, yeah, good stuff all around. Just an awesome show to start the year for Pro Wrestling Noah. I'm always guarded in my optimism because it's always almost one uh, one step forward, two steps back. But very little to complain about on this show. If I was going to nitpick, Mike, um, the only complaint I would have, and I preface this by saying that English language commentary on the Pro Wrestling Noah shows is generally really, really good. With Stuart Fulton and Mark Pickering, we had Paul Lazenby here for a few matches. But in Nakamura's entrance, during his entrance, I would have loved for the announcers to lay out and let that moment breathe and just let you absorb that and then start screaming after the introduction instead. And I understand the enthusiasm, but we had them screaming all throughout this incredible entrance. And uh, to me, it made it seem a little bit less special than it was. I can understand that. Yeah, you know, and and it's just... Over time, that's something that you pick up where it's just, again, you know, it, it, that's, you could always just, that's one thing I kind of wish all wrestling would have is just no announcer. <laughs> I yeah, like at least guys. have the option, the ambient sound option. Yeah, I mean, I would be completely fine with that too sometimes. But hey, you know, it's it's just really enthusiasm and wanting to sell the moment. And sometimes, 
you know, sometimes maybe you shouldn't. And that was probably you know, the moment sells itself. Yes. Cause yes. And that that's it. And it, it was sports all the time. And not like I'm going to hammer them or anything because, you know, I listen to a lot of sports, especially on radio over the years. And, you know, there's some, and there are times where it's better than others. So, you know, I won't complain about it or anything like that, but I completely understand what you're saying. And it is something for them. If they happen to be listening to, you know, think about for the future. Yeah. And again, they do a great job and it enhances the pro wrestling Noah product greatly to have them calling these big shows. I love it. Um, and like I said, by and large, do a great job. But in that moment, I think it maybe uh, less would have been more. But uh, yeah, I think that puts a bow on the pro wrestling Noah show. The other major show to talk about that took place uh, several days ago now, uh, about a week ago. Stardom Dream Queendom 2022 at Sumo Hall, uh, 3,868 fans. So their best number at Sumo Hall. I believe they've bumped up around 3,000 at at a lot of their shows in that building. So here almost 1,000 people more to see uh, what had been building for, you could argue, several years going back to Julia and Shuri being founding members of Donna Del Mondo. Uh, certainly it's been building for quite a while, um, even if you don't go back that far. Julia defeating Shuri, as we had all expected, in just under 38 minutes of an absolute, you want to use the word spectacle, a spectacle of violence uh, between these two. The glorious Northern Lights bomb uh, It was the 11th defense for Shuri. Julia finally gets the win, defeats Shuri, is the World of Stardom champion, this match, just again, what a brutal, brutal war. The question was because there was a 99% chance that Julia was winning, at least I think to most of us pundits and listeners to podcasts and English language Japanese fans, I think most of us believe this was the time to pull the trigger on, on Julia getting the victory here. You could fantasy book some ways where Suri, okay, if she holds on to it, she could do this or that. But, you know, it felt like it was Julia's time. So the question was, what could they do during this match that you haven't seen before? And what could get you invested? And what could make you lose yourself in this match where you did actually have some doubt if you were one of the 99% of the people that thought Julia was going to win? And I thought they absolutely positively did that i don't think i have no one complaint about this match whatsoever other than headbutts and dangerous spots but we'll we'll get to those in a minute but julia loves the shoot headbutts uh as much as she says everyone loves 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 julia she loves 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 those headbutts and uh yeah i don't think anyone is going to be able to get her to stop doing those new but you know it was a half hour of her having to pull everything out to beat Siri. Siri knowing her back was up against the wall. And then Julia breaking out every DDM finisher to the old partner to to just, you know, prove a little bit of superiority there, to just have to take everything from the group that, you know, to be the star. You know, takes everything from that and glorious Northern Lights bomb, as you mentioned, to, to get the victory where series one year ends. And, you know, if this is not the 
showcase show of the year for stardom at this point. I don't know what is. They have big shows. They're adding pay-per-views. They're obviously putting a lot more attention on different things, and we'll see what this spring and this summer brings for them. It's going to be big, but this year-ending show, you know, for the second year in a row, draws all of the attention, and rightfully so for arguably the women's match of the year during a year where there was a lot of good women's stuff all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I I generally don't do the the delineation for match of the year as far as women's or men's. But if you want to do that, which is a totally valid thing to do, I would say, yeah, this is, I mean, I would say it's not only, you know, one of, if not the women's matches of the year. I mean, I think I think it's a, a very high end late entrant for match of the year overall. It was kind of interesting that the first 10 minutes or so, there were a few things that like nothing fell apart. But there were a few things that looked a little less than smooth, which I'm fine with, particularly in a match like this. I, I like a little bit of that ruggedness, but man, that last 10 minutes or so of just violence heaped upon violence, heaped upon violence. And like you said, the callbacks to the two of these wrestlers being a part of the early days of Donna Del Mondo with Julia hitting Micah's Enka Itoshi, which was her finisher when the group started, her hitting the running powerbomb by Jamaica, uh, which also had the additional layer of, if you remember, Hameka hitting that on Julia and it giving Julia a concussion and putting her out of uh, out of action for a little while a couple of years ago, and then just having to escalate and escalate and escalate and hitting that Northern Lights bomb for the finish. Uh, awesome stuff, and I it, it's 100% the right time um, for A, Julia to win the title, and B, Shuri's title reign to end. Uh, it was a great reign. Uh, I know... I've mentioned before, Mike, that I wasn't necessarily quite as high on Shuri as champion overall as some people were. She had a great year. I wouldn't say that she was the wrestler of the year or even the best women's wrestler of the year. I think a lot of the thoughts about her reign are somewhat propped up by the matches with Haya Shishida. And as great as as Shuri is, I think that... Um, she owes a steak dinner. She owes some drinks, whatever you want to say to Haya Shishida for those matches, because far and away the best matches of Shuri's reign. And, uh, and I mean, this was similar. I don't, I don't know what you think Mike, but I thought this was somewhat similar in that Julia brought the firepower, uh, brought the bombs. And that's the type of opponent that Shuri has to have from, to me, at least to go from a good match to a great match. Uh, we saw, you know, defenses against the likes of Tam Nakano, for example, where it didn't necessarily rise to the level you would expect considering who the opponent is. So I don't know. I'm just rambling to say I like Shuri a lot. <laughs> didn't think this her reign was this historic all-timer like some people did, but it was very good. It served its purpose, which was it raised her level. Stardom's level got raised in the process, but I firmly believe that Julia as champion will take stardom to a higher level than than you know Shuri would be able to. That's no knock on her, but Julia has literally everything that a top star needs to take a promotion from, you know, point A to point B to point C. Yeah, and I'm higher, obviously, as we've talked about on the rain than you are, but it was very, you know, paint by numbers, and that was fine. And every time you got to a spot on the board it it paid off and it came through. So it worked that way. So, you know, in that way, it was a 
really perfect, well-crafted title reign, and I thought she did a very good job as champion. And are you you're right? Is are the matches with the highest Shishida? Is, is that you know, is that a step up? Yes, because Hayashida is arguably, if maybe not arguably, the best women's wrestler in the world. You know, certainly in the discussion at the very tippity top. And she is, you know, she does make Suri bring her game up. And Julia made Suri bring her game up. But I think, you know, the fact that she can get her game up to this, you know, to that point now, we'll see what happens after this. I think her die is going to be cast and what happens here after you know, the championship. And and we already have a call out that has taken place, you know, that took place in the press conference or she did the call out after the match in the press conference. So we'll see what takes place, but you're exactly right about Julia. There's no doubt, you know, the look, the aesthetic, the action, the physicality, the, you know, she hits really hard. Uh, she, you know, there's a magic to it sometimes, but sometimes they're actually getting laid in. And do I ever need to see a Northern Lights off the stage into chairs again? Where Jesus, it, that was crazy. That was dangerous. Oh, dangerous. But again, with the exception of the clonking headbutts, there's nothing I can say where I have any issue with anything that they did. She is the right person to take that championship into the next realm. She's the next person to take the, the entire company into where, wherever you think you can take it, you know, in, in the UK, in the United States, in Canada, Mexico, wherever, wherever you're, you're trying to build to, I think she's going to help. And I think, you know, again, her standing there, can you picture her standing there against Sasha Banks or against whoever it is? I mean, we know we're going to have matches down the line with Kyrie. We're going to have matches again with, with Haya Shishida. So it's like, you know, everything is rosy and bright because you know Julia can already step up to the plate. So it's just a matter of where the company can go as a company because the talent that they have, including the influx again, now we're seeing... Again, we'll get to Venus, but seeing Zaya Brookside in and seeing people now come back over from, you know, the States and from from Europe and, and being an influx of talent in. I mean, damn, you know, things are feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, for sure. And, and with Julia, to me, it's funny because I don't know if you're this way, but whenever somebody wins a championship, I immediately start thinking, who are they going to lose the title to? Like, it's the first thing I start thinking about. And with Julia... It's hard to tell. It's hard to see who it's going to be. I don't necessarily think they're going to do another year-long reign um, like they pretty much did with Shuri. And you mentioned, you know, whether it be, you know, a, a Sasha Banks. I would imagine she'll be more tied up on the IWGP women's side, but we could see, you know, that that change and her be involved and on the and on look. The World and we of don't Star even title. know what promotion she's going to be attached to. Everybody yes. would like to do it, but like, here's the thing. She is booked through Bushi Road and is New Japan, and that makes complete and utter sense. If she decides to dabble in something else in Japan, it, it may not be stardom. It very well may not be stardom. It's just it's fun to put her in that discussion because, again, things are going so hot right now for it. Yeah, I would be shocked if she's not on the big rumored april show i guess the show was announced but the rumor of it basically being like a dream slam style show where uh rossi ogawa is going to try to you know make deals with all the other you know major promotions such as they are in japan right now um i'd be shocked if she isn't on that show 
uh, at the very least. But you look at, you know, Julia defending, you know, against Kyrie, against Itami Hayashida, um, different people. The wrestler who I would say to me is the no-brainer as far as the person who should beat her for the title is Starlight Kid. But I say that with a caveat that we don't normally see, you know, it feels like Starlight Kid, Azumi, as much as they should be in the the big championship mix, I don't necessarily get the sense that that's the direction Rossi Ogawa is going to go with stardom. I mean, it doesn't, you know, wrestlers of that size, we haven't really seen holding uh, the belts in, in recent times. But if you're looking at star versus star and wanting to fully make someone uh, in Starlight Kid, that would be the direction I would go. I also wonder, though, if Starlight Kid is kind of going to be, uh, again, there's no one-to-one comparisons, but if she's going to be like a Tetsuya Naito, where, yes, there are title reigns, but they're they're so over and so popular that they're almost more useful outside of the main title picture because you can have them in featured matches and still have the world title um, on other people. Yeah. You know, is it an outsider who's not there right now? It there, And that's the one great part about Julia in this reign is – you could build up a story, and I'm not advocating this, and I don't believe it'll happen, but, like, she could lose the title to Mina Shirakawa, and you would go, okay, I could believe that. You know, she could lose the title to, you know, whoever, you know. Suzu Suzuki. Talk about a, <laughs> talk about a, a built-in story. Could you, could you imagine that? But, you know, and again, it just depends on where you want to go with the company and what exactly you're doing at the time, whether it be... Tam, whether it be Hayashishida, whether it be Kamatani, whether whoever it is, you know, who happens to be in the moment. So, you know, again, she is she is as good as it gets right now. I think she's perfect. And we'll see what happens kind of moving forward. They got this trios tournament that's taking place because we, I guess we have to. We have to have a theme for everything at all times. It's turning into CMLL with the tournaments, but... You know, hey, fine, okay, if this is the way you want to keep everything alive and going and kicking and in the minds and in the forefront of Western, you know, Western fans' mind, good. <laughs> I guess knock yourself out and go ahead. But, um, you know, as far as just, you know, this big show goes, I like coming, you know, moving out of this thing, Micah and Himeka having the, you know, tag team championship shot coming up next. Obviously, I'm sure you're broken up over Meltier, uh, Meltier uh, going uh, bye-bye. It was definitely Meltier after that match, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Nane Takahashi and you, who are, for some reason, growing on me as a team. <laughs> Same here. I, I So that match, like I went into it like convinced that, uh, that Tam and Natsupoy were going to win. I had a little glimmer of that that weakening a little bit when Wakasukiyama was added to the match at Korokin at year-end climax a few days prior to where it was a, a handicap match because it became very clear, and that's exactly what happened, that Wakasukiyama would drop the fall, not Tam Nakano or Natsupoi, because we had talked about on last week's show, well, it seemed pretty obvious that, well, you know, Takahashi and you will win the non-title match on the 24th and lose the match on the 29th. Once that got mixed up a little bit, it seemed more likely that Takahashi and you would win. And then when they came out for their entrance, that meaning uh, Takahashi and you, and they were so fired up, I'm like, okay, they're winning the title. I don't see Nanai Takahashi being that fired up to lose on a big show like this. 
Um, had but, that same feeling, actually. Same thing. They <laughs> they did come out like this was going to be a good night for them. So, it was they, reverse. It was reverse boo boo face for sure. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah, it was the match was awesome. I loved it. Uh, the thing that I really like about this, about the team, and about what they're doing with them, whether it be uh, winning the tag league or here winning the belts, is that it's much more built around building up you as a big powerful unbeatable sort of star force in the company at least so far than it has been about uh, uh you know like nanai takahashi beating everybody like this is again you getting a win she gets the last ride on natsupoi um the last ride on kamatani was what won the tag league before um so not only does that build up them winning the tag titles but i'm still fully convinced at some point in this never-ending saya kamatani white belt reign that we'll see you getting a shot there as well. I would think, Mike, that this will this title reign, I don't think Micah and Himeka are going to win as much as I would like to see and as much as that's just going to be a, a hoss battle of sorts. I don't see how, given the momentum of Meltier, both in stardom and then also what they're what Bushi Road is doing with them outside of stardom. If you saw in the the promo video, them singing their song in front of a, a packed arena, I assume it's some sort of Bushi Road Festival event. I would be shocked if this reign doesn't end with Tam Nakano and Natsupoi getting their win back in triumphant fashion. And I would imagine with Natsupoi being the one to uh, to get the victory uh, after her very emotional reaction to losing the titles for her team here. I need them to break up and feud. No, we already had that. Uh, the feud is the feud is what brought them together. We had the feud. We had the brutal cage match. I need five years. Five years of Meltier <laughs> doing Meltier things. I know I'm in the very small minority, and I know I hear it from all of you on Twitter all of the time when you hit me off with these sorts of things. But no, I'm not a fan of this team. There's too much crying. There's too much ring entrance. There's too much <laughs> all of it. But I thought I thought Takahashi and you, and it's because you obviously is such a unique look. She is a human bowling ball. I mean, literally she, that yeah. rolling out to the floor version of a suicide dive where she takes a back bump middle of the ring and then just barrel rolls herself on the mat out under the bottom rope to the floor in a suicide dive style fashion. I will never not pop for that. <laughs> oh man. And I think like you, although obviously love Micah and Micah, just like you, I don't see look when they, they were serious about the Neo stardom army. And it was not just about the tournament and Jazzy Gaber going goodbye and, you know, doing little things and being done with it. No, they are, they're leaning into this and good because Takahashi and you have been a very good team and them having a few tag team matches against whoever it's going to be. I think if I really, it's a nice different dynamic to have and hats off to Takahashi who you know she's in our age range and she we've talked about her for a long time you know it's one of the reasons why you know it's fun to listen and you know talk about the the Matsumoto match and, and Nakajima when you see that because you know these are people we've watched for a long time and they're still getting shine here and the as stardom continues to grow you know they're not going to be there long term, but I, for what they're doing right now, I think it works, and it's grown on me big time since it started. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I, whenever I see uh, Nanai Takahashi, though, I get sad because I wish it was still Momo Nakanishi, uh, her contemporary, <laughs> out there wrestling. God, like my favorite wrestler from the early 2000s. That every time I see uh, Starlight Kid use the, the Momo latch roll-up, it always makes me think of, of Momo Nakanishi. But yes, good stuff here. Um, I, I expected to hate this result going into it if it was going to be the result. And I've come around to both, like you said, from their in-ring action and then seeing what the, the end result could be with Meltier winning the tag titles back. I'm tentatively okay with what they did here. Uh, the semi-main event from this show, I don't have a ton to say about it. I would not say that it was one of Saya Kamatani's best performances uh, in a white belt defense. I thought particularly early on, she looked really shaky just Every once in a while, she veers into her offense looking really light, and there were a few things in the match. Uh, a strike early, and then whatever that flipping kind of neckbreaker to the floor where she barely made contact um, um, was not the best I've seen from her, but she got much better as the match went along. I thought her opponent, Ruka Umasaki, looked great in this match in what was clearly the biggest match of her career. Um, you know, uh, coming from pro wrestling, Diana, we've seen her on the new blood shows in recent months. I thought she had a fantastic performance here. And I really, really hope that whether it be her going full-time stardom or just being a, a featured regular guest, I really want to see a lot more of her in stardom. I want to see more of her and her alliance with starlight kid going forward in stardom as well. Yeah. What I, that would make sense. And I think, you know, like you said about Suri, I think sometimes Kamatani is as good as her opponent. And I think of the, you know, the cluster up top. I think she's one, of, and I'm in the minority on this, but I think she's one of the weaker ones. And I think I wouldn't say that you're in the minority. I think that there, I think it's about a 50 50 split as far as stardom fans in terms of whether they're on board with this massive Kamatani push or whether they think it's way too much too soon. I'm, I'm, closer to being on board the, than you are, but I think there's other people out there who kind of share your opinion. Well, and, and I'm on board with it, but I think you have to be, again, you have to be careful. And I thought, you know, this was like, this kind of felt, I don't want to say WCW ish, or I, I'm not, I'm not sure what the right comparison would be, but it was like, you know, for a show like this and it's like, all right, the semi main is Kamatani and Umasaki. And it's like on paper, it's like, well, hmm. But then it's like, you know, it would be like Conan against whoever, you know, Mysterio or something. And it's like, hmm. And then it ends up panning out. Obviously, you know, not to that sort of level of like Malenko and Mysterio at the Great American Bash or something like that. But I thought it was really strong. And they went almost 20 minutes. And I thought it was a really, again, I thought it was a really good match. And I thought... Again, it's it wasn't great, but it was it was good. I just thought it was really good, and I thought a nice performance by Umasaki. And if they are thinking about having eyes on her to continue on a full time basis, no problem there. You know, especially if it's with a Wado tie or something like that, where she could be somehow joined at the hip with Starlight Kid or something like that, which could lead to something with them later on down the line. Yeah, yeah, and then the alternate character of Karma, which we've seen uh, from uh, Umasaki on some of these New Blood shows, almost a Great Muda-type character. So, yeah, she she's a perfect fit. I don't know if it'll happen, but she did everything she possibly could 
um, to put her best foot forward if you know if that's her desire to end up being full time in stardom at some point. So well, something here, to look out the for. Thing. What other choice is she going to have? And I think yeah, I think this is the time where I know there's loyalty when it comes to a lot of these promotions. You know, I'm again I'm not sure who's who's not who's not tied into assemble because everybody, including stardom, you know, is except for what JD or whoever the hell it is. But it's like, if you're on the outside of that, is that where you want to be right now? When things are looking like, I'm not saying it's like going to be a revival over there to all Japan women's or something like that. But like, this is as good of a time as any to try to strike when things are opening back up again. And there's obviously attention coming from the West looking at your products. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a really interesting time because you have, I mean, maybe outside of Ice Rib and you have almost everybody else to some degree or lesser degree um, doing business with stardom. Clearly, the the goal from a stardom perspective seems to be to have as many deals as possible, formal or informal, with other promotions heading into uh, the big April Dream Slam style show. And then you have Tokyo Joshi Pro, which sort of always exists out there on its own island. But, I mean, if I'm somebody, um, you know, that that stardom is interested in, like, I'm not wanting to wait too long to make that move for the inn to get even more crowded than it already is. So we'll see. Like I said, I think Umasaki is a perfect fit, and I would love to see her there. And the other option for anyone, like an Umasaki or someone else, is to you know, bet on themselves the way that Suzu Suzuki, uh, Risa Sarah, and the entire prominence group did in yeah. leaving and starting their own sort of traveling troupe that, you know, is affiliated with almost everybody. And we saw that come to fruition here with the prominence group in stardom when the artists of stardom titles in a hardcore match, uh, that being Risa Sarah, Suzu Suzuki, and Kurumi Haragi, defeat Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Saki Kashima, just under 16 minutes. Uh, German suplex hold from Suzu Suzuki on Saki Kashima. Fun match. Change of pace from everything else on the show. And more than anything, anything that happens that gets more of Suzu Suzuki in stardom is okay with me. However that has to happen, the more dates she works for stardom, the better. Because there are so many people I want to see her wrestle in that company. We got a taste of it this year in Tag League and in... Uh, or not in Tag League, but in the five-star Grand Prix, and we saw it again here. Uh, so, yes, more of this, please. This was an example of stardom listening to their audience, and when I say that, I mean us, in that we <laughs> wanted to see more prominence, and I like Risa Sarah, I love Suzu Suzuki. So, yeah, more of this, please. And that's what they gave you. And, again, on this type of show, it was a nice, as you mentioned, change of pace with the hardcore stuff. And was it ridiculous? Yes, it was. I mean, did they go with the bike too early? I could pick nits oh over this. I could, comp- I could really pick nits over this match. I'm Describe not going to. Describe the bike. Describe so- <laughs> the bike because this was an insane spot that involved Starlight Kid and a bicycle and the ramp like 30 seconds into this match. Yes, immediately after the, the match begins, they're out on the floor and – she takes the bike, you know, cause she's got a bicycle at ringside and she takes it and picks it up and carries it up the ramp. And I'm not sure exactly what goes down, but all of the women uh, of prominence are down and they're being held down and down rides <laughs> starlight on the bike. 
and rolls over the three of them. And I, I was thinking, honestly. Full speed. Full this speed. This internally damaging. Well, what I thought, though, I'm thinking, if you're the first person, it sucks. Especially if she doesn't get that bike tire up, like the little, like, try to jump a little bit. Like, she's kind of, like, even over a pebble. Like, if she doesn't do anything, like, once she's on top of you, like, as long as she's going straight, it probably isn't that bad. But that first person, oh, man, they get the absolute brunt of it. And, yeah, she rolled over their bikes. (laughs) Rolled over their bike, their backs. Rolled over their backs with the bikes. And that's how this thing began. And it actually devolved mostly into a wrestling match, actually, yes. after they did some spots with the the bike in the ring in the corner and in the light post or whatever the hell else. They had a bunch of stuff and a bunch of plunder in there. But ultimately, the cosplayers got beaten up by the tougher group that is prominence and... They are, as you mentioned, a great addition. I think they stand out, and I understand them not wanting to be tied down, especially with the style that, like, Suzuki works. She likes to have the ability to to be a free spirit and to work hardcore and do whatever she wants to do. And that was actually three of the matches I wanted to see that I didn't get a chance to see before the show actually came from the Ice Ribbon show, where it was Hikaru Shida and Ibuki Hoshi actually uh, defended their ice. I didn't even realize that Sheeta was the half of the ice ribbon tag champions, but Suzu Suzuki was in the main event. It was the Yuki Mashiro retirement show and she beat her in the main event. So I actually wanted to see that. And I, I hope to see that because I haven't seen a bad Suzu Suzuki match yet. And I don't know if we had a chance. Did we have we did we do a show since the just tap out show because Anaba and oh Suzuki, my god, I I mean I love them. Incredible. They could be generational rivals, and I love me Tomoko Anaba. I think she's great. Like it's, like I've said before, size is going to be the only thing that hurts her. But in Japan, it hurts a little bit less. I think she is a she's a star, and she's got a great gimmick. Oh, she's, yeah, she's incredible. Tomoka and Abba, that match with Suzu Suzuki from the JTO show, which that show was awesome. Uh, the the Takataichi mania, sadly, the last one, apparently. I'm going to be mourning that series because those shows have been incredible. But that, yeah, if you have not uh, had a chance to watch that yet, go out of your way to watch that. But Inaba is, like, to me, if you look at, most improved wrestler of the year. Like she's right there on that list. Like I've got to me, it's Mina Shirakawa rising Hayato from all Japan and Tomoka Inaba are all in their own way uh, to me sort of equal as most improved wrestlers of the year. And she's, yeah, she is a star in a very different way from anyone else in the promotion. And I'm hoping that, you know, what kind of seems unofficial now that being Inaba being a full-time stardom member that that gets formalized as we've seen with other wrestlers in recent years. And she's got um, people her size, like you know, the Saeedas, who present a different style but are around the same size. Height-wise, is sure. There, there are so many advantages to her, I think, being full-time in stardom. She's got the, the team with Shiri, which is a What perfect, a perfect mentor. <laughs> yeah, and it's a perfect big sister, little sister type of look, but it's like... Or again, it's she's it's a very video game thing she's got to me where with the karate, with the whole aesthetic she's got around her and the fact, as you mentioned, she has improved greatly. And that's, again, 
I think due to being in, you know, her stints in stardom where you've mentioned many times, you know, the water's going to find its level. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, on so many different levels. You know, you talk about most improved wrestlers, um, well, maybe not rising to the heights of the other people you mentioned. I've talked about it. We've talked about it in recent months. Another one is my Sakurai, who just seemed like, I don't want to say a zero, but just, you know, when she first came in, she was just, just a, just a wrestler, like nothing special about her. She wasn't particularly good at all. And she's turned into a very, very competent professional wrestler, particularly in tag matches, but also in singles matches. So, you know, you go on down the line. We've talked about it before, uh, you know, uh, different wrestlers that have improved greatly. And we'll get to Mina Shirakawa momentarily. I did want to make sure we talked about at least briefly uh, what I thought was a really, really good 15-minute draw in this show that just barely scratched the surface of what an incredible match they could have, you know, with bigger stakes, a longer time limit. I thought Kyrie and Utami Hayashishida on this show was really, really good, particularly for where it was slotted uh, and, and what it was given. Yeah, and I think it is just a, again, the attention from the outside for people who are interested in what's going to take place with Sasha Banks you know, the eyes are more on Kyrie, you know, coming back and big, big match Kyrie. And here was another one here, but Hayashishida is great. And I'm not saying she like was casually the... great, like to the yeah. point to where she's getting to that level of like a Tanahashi or Mayu Iwatani where you, she's so good all the time. Do you almost take for granted how good she is because there's newer, shinier toys in the promotion but then you see a performance like this, and it's like, holy shit, yeah, she is in the running for best wrestler in the world at any given time. And I thought there were moments where she outside, outshined Kyrie, but by the end of the match, you are reminiscent as to why Kyrie is so good and how nice it is to see her back. And it's not like she was awful in WWE. I mean, she had her, you know, share of, you know, good physical things happening, you know, there as well, too, especially with the team you know, that she had for the short period of time with uh, with um, uh, Brain Lock now, Christ. Asuka? Uh, Kana. Kana? Yeah, Kana, thank you. heels for Asuka. some reason? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, but to see her back in, in Japan is awesome, and more of this, please. And she's obviously got the January 4th show coming up. This is another draw for Haya Shishida, where... Again, she's got built-in matches with Julia. She's got built-in matches, you know, moving forward with with plenty of people. So, you know, a win all the way around here. With by the it, way, it, with was it Mayu who was on commentary for this? Yes, I believe so. For for a good portion of the of the later part of the show. Yeah. So that's where she. I remember they they featured her there. They made sure to show her. So yeah, again, a really good one. Fifteen minutes and accomplished its goal. And I had a feeling it was actually going to a draw when it came out because I had no idea what the match order was. So it's like up uh, coming out when it did. When it was like, yeah, this thing's going to fifteen. Well, and it was almost we talked about it a little bit on last week's show. It really wasn't another finish that they could do because I don't think you want to beat Hayashishida in a match like this, but. Kyrie is the IWGP women's champion. And so you can't beat her in a non-title match right now, right before the dome. And it was clearly a match that even though it wasn't announced until after Kyrie won the, the IWGP women's title, uh, I would imagine that this was something they had had penciled in when the idea was that Mayu Iwatani was going to be the IWGP women's champion. When they changed, you know, when that 
change to Kyrie winning the title, they decided to still go forward with this match. And so they did the 15-minute draw. The only kind of weird thing was that the stipulation was announced before the match that whoever lost would have to go back to wearing their rookie wrestling gear and build their way back up. And then they just got out of the stipulation by doing a 15-minute draw. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that will be revisited at some point down the line. It's a hat on a hat if I ever heard one. Really, just shit <laughs> for <laughs> no, no need for that. There's, there's no, no, no need to add that to this match at all. <laughs> I could see you wearing the big hat, by the way. That seems like a. I could see you. I could just see you on Wrestling Observer Live and see Brian's reaction as the camera switches to you wearing a big Washington uh, Nationals giant hat. You know what? If I can get one, I will absolutely wear the hat. If somebody <laughs> wants to send one to me, I will absolutely take the hat. Well, I mean, apparently NordVPN is out of the picture. So if Big Hat wants to sponsor this show, <laughs> we're open for business. We're in the Big Hat business. Yes, um, we are. We have, we have no shame. I also have a, a comically large cranium. So a, a Big Hat might be what I would need to just be able to wear a hat normally. Um, but uh, other stuff on this show. we, we... <laughs> Your Mr. Met styled head. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You're not wrong. Uh, you mentioned Micah and Hameka winning the uh, the number one contendership three-way over Mariah and Ami Sore and Nasco Tora and Raka. We should mention, by the way, with Ami Sore, she is the one who came out to challenge Sayakamatani uh, after Sayakamatani's uh, white belt defense. So should be a good match, but it's another one of those where the result is not really in doubt, which you can make the argument we've had too many of those with this long reign of Sayakamatani. Um but yeah, that's sort of the situation coming out of that. The other major story on this show, though, was the return of Mina Shirakawa teaming with the return, uh, returning Unagi Sayaka to defeat uh, Thekla and Mai Sakurai. I, I thought it was interesting that both here and a couple of days prior, uh, we've seen Thekla dropping falls. Uh, I, I would have expected her to be slotted above Mai Sakurai in the group, but that does not appear to be the case right now. Uh, but uh, Mina Shirakawa, great uh, return. As you mentioned, not only is she back, she has her own stable, it appears now, Club Venus. Uh, and this was rumored that she would be with Mariah May and Zaya Brookside. That is, in fact, the case. They flanked her for this match. And afterwards, we had Shirakawa uh, slap Unagi Sayaka and seemingly throw down their friendship I was kind of amused, Mike, to see that people were like, oh, my God, this is a heel turn for Mina Shirakawa. How do you turn her heel after that injury and bringing her back? To me, there's a few things. First, I don't look at this as a full-fledged heel turn. She slapped Unagi. She had had a harder edge prior to the injury anyway. The other thing is, like, there really aren't heels in stardom. There's groups like Oedo Tai who cheat but the crowd still cheers them. There's really no real heels in this company. I don't think Mina Shirakawa turned heel here. I think this is all leading to her getting another shot at Sayakamatani. Maybe her and Unagi will will uh, reunite, but I, I don't see any issue with this at all. I think this was very, very well done, and I'm thrilled that Shirakawa now gets to lead her own stable um, and continue moving up the card and being the star that she's, you know, uh, shown in ring that she's ready to be to match the character that she has. First, let me get my pig mandum out of the way right off the bat. The breakup of Mina Shirakawa and Unagi 
very sad, prettiest tag team that was out there. It's much like breaking up Layla Gray and Kira Hogan as members of the baddies. I mean, why would you do that? Well, they were perfect together. And Shirakawa and Unagi were perfect together. And actually, That's the way I feel, by the way, about Taichi and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Heartbreak. <laughs> so, Unagi, who it's been pretty much the case where she's not going to be full-time, full-time. She's just going to be floating in and out, I guess. It makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense with the the increase in popularity that Shirakawa and the attention that she has got partially because of her looks and because her ring in ring activity has increased. And that has been noticeable and noticed and She's great noted. So this was the perfect time for her to come back. Could her face ever be the same again? Amazingly. Yes. It's amazing. How about the- the entrance with her, the mummified oh, Jesus, uh, yes. face wrap, which she also had in one of the, in the pre uh, the, the press conference, and she the dramatic reveal oh, takes and it in off. Fact, and, oh. her, her her teeth are not horizontal; they're no. not sticking out through her chin. She is in fact okay. But there is a little bit of a look in her eyes of like, oh my god, am I ugly? How are they respond to me? Look at me. How do you respond? And it's yeah. Well, you're you're still <laughs> you're still mean to Shirakawa, and that's good. And so I forget the one girl's name was Zaya Brookside, Misty May, uh, Mariah May, I, I, I Mariah believe. May. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with her, but Venus. It's time for a group. I guess perfectly named. <laughs> perfectly named Shirakawa still. Not exactly, you know, a super super seller on the interviews. I guess she really doesn't have to be. But we'll see what this group is all about and if there are going to be native Japanese that are attached to it or if this is, they're over there for six months and this is where we're going to, to go with the group. It's interesting uh, to see uh, how this thing is going to grow, if it, if it grows much at all. And I guess with Sayaka, too, you know, she could always come back as a member of Colors. Or, or something like that, you know, if, if you incorporate her that way. Yeah, exactly. We've got sort of the, the Colors uh, uh, Cosmic Angels Alliance, but certainly as she's been kind of more freelance, we could see her be, be part more of the Colors side than of the uh, um, uh, of the Club Venus side or of the uh, the Cosmic Angels oh, side. By the way, Fekla and, and May Sakura, more of that, please. I'll take them as a regular team. I like tag teams. So if you want to kind of stick them out there as, you know, in the tag team mix, I'd be completely fine with that. Yeah, 100%. And we've got their two-thirds of the, uh, I guess, the Mafia Bella trio uh, that will be in the upcoming trios tournament for Stardom. So we'll see more of them teaming there. As far as maybe future uh, Japanese members of Club Venus, if this is a long-term group, a few things to look out for. I don't, th- I don't think this will go this way because it seems like this three-month ultimatum that Tam Nakano has given to uh, Wakasukiyama to to win a match finally, or you'll be out of Cosmic Angels. It sure as hell feels like that's building to her getting her big win. Finally, her first win on that uh, that massive April show uh, that Stardom has coming up at Yokohama Arena, but maybe she doesn't, and she ends up in that group. The other thing I wonder is if the continued very subtle um, but 
um, consistent teases of dissension between uh, Mayu Iwatani and Momo Kogo if we see Momo Kogo end up joining that Club Venus group as well. So maybe uh, maybe that will be something to look out for. Uh, the only other it's thing going to be Lady show- C, isn't it? Oh yeah, it, actually that would make a lot of sense as well. It could be, it could be Lady C. I mean, she needs something, uh, you know, at this point to kind of give her a bit uh, of a different vibe. I mean, it really hasn't. Uh, I don't know. To me, it still feels like an odd fit. Her and Queen's Quest. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a name for Fukigen in the group. <laughs> well, yeah, we had her return uh, briefly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Fukigen Venus, and she could finally get that Tokyo sports spread that she's been <laughs> complaining about for so long. It could happen. I think I think we just created something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how to transition from that to the high-speed title, other than I guess Fukigen <laughs> will probably challenge for the high-speed title at some point in 2023 because she always does. But the high-speed title match, the opener of this show, I thought this was awesome. I'm in the tank for Izumi. I have her like in my top three, top five for wrestlers of the year in 2022. When you look at her, her body of work and just her mastery of the style. Uh, but her, uh, that being Izumi, defending the high speed championship successfully against Hikari Shimizu, just under 10 minutes. I thought Shimizu uh, acquitted herself very well. There was one minor bobble or catch in the long opening high speed sequence they had, but otherwise. Came off without a hitch. Good stuff here. Uh, I I don't know where next they're going with the high-speed title. I would never complain uh, about another Azumi versus Starlight Kid match for the high-speed title if that's, in fact, where they're going, though, because that's, for me, one-on-one, that's my favorite pairing in wrestling right now, and the more we get it, the better. Yeah, if you're going to do that just to do it, I'm fine with it. I I don't don't know what direction they'll go either, if they what they have planned for it, but... You know, it just the nature of the title and Azumi's great. And yeah, if it's Starlight again, obviously it's fantastic. But I mean, it almost doesn't matter who it is. Again, Azumi's been on such a good streak. And again, I think that it's part nature of that title as well, too. And so it's like, you know, the thoughts of the New Japan TV title being, you know, along well, it's, you know, along the lines of the high speed title. Ah, you know, I doubt it. Not, not in the same yeah, way Stardom can do it. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're you're dead on, on that. Uh, as far as uh, the immediate future for Stardom, they've got another pay-per-view slash Samurai TV show, uh, Yokohama Budokan, coming up tomorrow as we record this on the 3rd. The uh, Triangle Derby Trails Tournament gets underway. Um, that continues Corican on the 6th and on the 8th. As far as the members uh, or the participants in the tournament, the Red Block, Mayu Iwatani, Hanan, and Momokogo. Tommy Hayashishida, Saya Kamatani, and Izumi, who we'd have to figure are one of the favorites. Tam Nakano, Natsupoi, and Saki. As we mentioned, Julia, Mai Sakurai, and Thekla. Starlight Kid, Ruaka, and Haruki, uh, Haruka Umasaki. So that right there answers the question that we had earlier. Uh, that uh, participation of Umasaki in Stardom with Starlight Kid will continue. Uh, we have Nanai Takahashi and Yu teaming with Yuna Mizumori. And then, as we mentioned, the Club Venus trio of Mina Shirakawa, Zaya Brookside, and Mariah May. On the blue block side, it's Shuri, Mirai, and Ami Sore, which is an awesome trio. I'm a little bit sad that we don't have Inaba 
uh, as part of the uh, the God's Eye trio, but still, that would be good stuff. Hazuki, Koguma, and Sayaida, Micah, Himeka, and Lady C. Wakasukiyama teaming with the colors duo of Rina Amakura and Yuko Sakurai. I would imagine they will lose a lot in this tournament. Uh, Natsuko Tora, Saki Kashima, and Momo Watanabe. Uh, the Prominence Trio, uh, the Artists of Stardom Tag Team Champions, Risa Sara, Suzu Suzuki, and Kurumi Haragi. And then Ram Kaicho, who we've seen on the, uh, on the New Blood shows quite a bit, teaming with Micah Ozaki, and as I mentioned earlier, Maya Yukihi, who... Uh, you know, raise your hand if you thought you'd be seeing her in stardom in 2023. But there you go. That's the uh, the participants for this tournament. This is a way to take us through January and into February. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. And it will also have, I, I should mention, as I scroll down, Mike, we know what the next high-speed title match, and it is, in fact, Azumi versus Starlight Kid. That's one of the uh, the main events on the Nagoya International Conference Hall uh, Triangle Derby show. I assume it will probably end up being a pay-per-view because it's Azumi versus Starlight Kid for the high-speed title, Sayakamitani versus Am- uh, Amisori for the world of, or for the Wonder of Sardom title, three tournament matches, and a Na- New Year Nagoya Rumble. <laughs> and why the hell not? Why not? I agree. I agree 100%. So there's... It is so Battle a Royal season, too. We forget about that. New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day, lots of Battle Royals and weird tag team matchups taking place. So fits in perfectly with the rest of the theme of the country as well, too. Very good point. Lots of Battle Royals, lots of Rumbles, <laughs> Shuffle Tags. Shuffle Tag, yes. Including Pro Wrestling Noah with a uh, <laughs> Noah and Congo Shuffle Tag tournament taking place uh, day-night on the 8th at and Hall. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of stuff coming up, as we mentioned, for stardom. They've got back-to-back nights in the smaller uh, Adiana Arena. Uh, they run at the Takadano Baba building, which uh, they run some of their mid-major shows at. That'll have Amisori uh, Ami defending its My Sakurai for the future of stardom title. Um, and then, you know, that, that sort of leads through as we go into February. But it's one of these tournaments where we will have tournament matches, shows where it's all tournament matches, but then also... Big shows with title matches that have a few tournament matches on it as well. That was a mouthful you said right there. Basically, if you have a Stardom World subscription, um, you're going to be making out pretty good. Other than yeah. the fact you got some pay-per-views you got to pay for. But look, if you're if you're that big of a fan, you probably understand what they're trying to do. So, you know, or buy you the just- ones that you can. Yeah, or you wait the three days for the uh, for the pay per view to show up. I mean, yeah. the, the the Russell Queendom show is already up on Stardom World. I think as of yesterday. Just don't it's bitch al- about spoilers, for Christ's sakes! I get it. You want to wait, but there are just there are times where you got to read the wrestling news. Or the, the whole thing is, we all know where where spoilers come from. You get them on Twitter. You get them if you listen to something like the wrestling news. So if you don't want to know the spoilers. Just stay off of Twitter. Discipline, kids. Discipline. And then you won't get spoiled. That's what I do if I need to. It's what I do. Um, Talk about spoilers, by the way. Hmm. Is the Katsuri Shibata Filthy Tom Waller match ever going to show up on the internet, damn it? I hope so. I hope the whole show does by the the looks of the damn thing. Hopefully, if nothing else, Filthy has got some sort of bootleg uh, somehow through the smoke. 
that that was able to be filmed and and we'll be able to see in its entirety what took place. I'm hoping he had an affiliate with an old like 80s 90s style handy cam so we can yes. get like a fan cam shot. I hope like, it was you Kratos. Know, Yes, yes, there you go. I can see Danny Limelight running around the building. They, they can't see me, boss. <laughs> I think it's very likely. So we, we need to see that. Uh, understatement of last year and this year, we need to see UWF rules, Katsuri Shibata uh, and uh, and Filthy Tom Waller. Uh, a couple other quick things, Mike, before we, we give our you know, thoughts as uh, on Russell Kingdom as we roll into that show. I did watch the Glate show from uh, the 30th at Tokyo Dome City Hall. I think it's notable that it was a smaller crowd by several hundred than they've had for their big shows at Tokyo Dome City Hall. It sounded like there was none at times. Yes, yes. Even for even for a clap-only crowd, it was very quiet. And, you know, you go back to that Glate MMA show a couple of weeks ago, probably not the best idea considering – most of your big stars uh, were made to look like idiots on that show. Um, but the main event, very, very good. L. Lindemann against uh, Kaito Ishida. I'm actually shocked that Lindemann won. I fully expected Ishida to uh, to win and go on to uh, start his first reign as G-Rex champion. Uh, but very, very good stuff there. Um, we had Sonata and Bushi in a solid match against T-Hawk and Kaz Hayashi. Cut off uh, on YouTube for me. Really? Yes. Really? That's weird. I just watched it on YouTube and it was it was fine. It skips every time for me. It skips to uh, Ishida's entrance. And it was driving me nuts because it's, yeah, it's like Sonata's in there with, oh God, it, with, uh, with, with Hayashi who, by the way, he is just like the living embodiment of a Cabbage Patch doll, isn't he? <laughs> just he's always tan. The body always looks the same, but he looks like an overgrown Kaz Hayashi. He's just, it's so weird because he looks like Kaz Hayashi, but all these years later, I don't know how to explain it. You know he's what I mean, He's the Japanese right? Chris Jericho. I it, know 100%. No, mean, like- no, but Jericho, he, Hayashi's never changed. Jericho's had ups and downs with his body and, and stuff. True. Well, right now he looks a bit like pre-most recent diet Jericho. That, but, but he can still move. He's I mean, puffy, he's, he's, yes. get, he's getting all over the place. He's on this show. He's going to be the next challenger for uh, Atsuki Aoyagi in, uh, in, uh, for the junior title in all Japan. But yes, I, I definitely get your point. He's, uh, he's Kaz Hayashi till the end, including his oddly placed, I'm here. On his crotch, on his rubbery trunks. I did like uh, Muda, the bask- back of Muda's masks saying bye. I did like that uh, actually a lot. And I also like Nakamura's varsity jacket that he had with all the, the wacky uh, cartoons on it of Muda and Nakamura on the chest and up and down the arms and all that sort of stuff. But uh, Lindemann... I liked, what, I liked what Muda's mask said more than what he said backstage. Well, we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. No. But good Lord, talk about a way to dampen enthusiasm on it after an incredible show. Yeah, I don't I just heard that before we went on, and I don't uh, don't want to even give that any time of day. Uh, Lindemann and Nishida, I, I saw it as well, too. And, yeah, I'm kind of surprised because I, I wonder what the plan is exactly uh, as far as – this is now win number seven. This is going to be another medal around his neck. Fantastic. Yes. But, uh, 
you know, I wonder what the the plan is or what the name is that's going to come in there. And I think the clap only, even more than that MMA show, the clap only show for this. They uh, they they announced a thousand and fifty one people, but my God, I don't think it was that many. And with it being clap only, no. it just didn't work. I, I just. It doesn't no. work. You it really hurt out. that match. Absolutely. It really yeah. did because there was a damn good match. And again, just two. Oh, man. Lindemann, I never would have believed it. You know, seeing him early in his career that this would be something he would be really excel at. But now I wonder, it's just I would like to see him in the mix more with other promotions or being utilized more. Again, a wider really variety often. of opponents. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It will be interesting to see where they go because I, I think the next kind of the next stop on the on the championship road for Glate is there's on the I believe it's the eighth at the at Osaka uh, again Eddie and Arena's second gym they're doing a a Glate Rumble and the winner of the Glate Rumble gets a shot I believe the same night unless I read it wrong but I believe it's the same night against L Lindemann so we'll see I mean everyone is in that including Kai. So, um, yeah, we'll see. The other thing that was notable, though, watching was just how watching Ishida and Lindemann, the match was great. And I was also so much more into it than some of the other matches on the show because those two guys hadn't just had their asses handed to them on an MMA show. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Well, well, that's that's true. <laughs> but it did. Uh, it, did you watch the DDT and, and see? Kazusada Higuchi, who is as good of a pro wrestling champion for his promotion as any pro wrestling champion for their promotion. Uh, Yuki Ueno thing went uh, damn near half hour. And it was surprisingly, even though it was Higuchi and it, it does move slow, you know, slower than you're used to your main events going, it didn't feel like it went a half hour. And no. it was very. Big man versus little man, everything you would expect. Ueno just having to throw everything at the wall, including his entire body at Higuchi, to try to get something over on him, but then succumbing to the brain claw. I, I Very, very, very good match. And as I mentioned, Higuchi, much Roman for WWE, perfect. You know, whoever in AEW, you know, perfect whether it be moxley or, or whoever you know higuchi for his promotion okada for new japan they all fit perfectly for what they are he is fantastic yeah i, I actually just watched it right before we recorded and i thought it was very again exactly you said very 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 good i, I would have it just under my great tier but it was awesome and to your point i i when you start talking about it i i Expected you'd say it went 18 to 20. It did not feel like it went 30. Uh, for my money, Higuchi is one of the best champions in wrestling right now. He's stepped up. You know, I don't know if it was the original plan for him to be the champion. If you recall, when Nakajima shoot knocked out Tetsuya Endo, and Endo had to uh, relinquish the title, they put the belt on Higuchi. I was very concerned that he would just lose it right back to Endo. Uh, which would have been really disappointing considering how long the buildup to Higuchi having the title has been. But he has stepped into and grown into that title and just, you know, he's been even better than he was, you know, in, in the few years prior. So, yeah, very good stuff there. It looks like uh, uh, Yuji Hino uh, will be the next challenger, which talk about a meaty guys slapping meat type of match. <laughs> 
that would definitely uh, definitely fit the bill there. I also watched this morning All Japan's show from last night, uh, the first of their back-to-back nights in Cork and Hall. Uh, most notable on that, yes, we did have Miyahara and uh, Takuya Nomura win the tag titles one day prior to them wrestling each other for the Triple Crown. But, I mean, it was a voodoo murders match, so it was what it was. But the most notable thing to me was, first, we had Minoru Suzuki teaming with Naruki Doi, and they'll team up again tomorrow night. Uh, but out of that, um, in the post-match, uh, Hokuto Omori, who's one of the, the top young stars in all Japan, he's so swollen. He's huge. I don't know why they have him positioned as a junior heavyweight, because he's not tall, but he's massive. Um but he was teaming with Shuji Ishikawa. They lost. And then uh, Hokuto Omori went and bowed in front of Suzuki and seemed to appeal for Suzuki to take him under his wing. Suzuki shook his hand and they left together. And now on the, the show that's happening tomorrow for All Japan, it is Hokuto Omori, Naruki Doi, and Minoru Suzuki teaming together. So I wonder, we talked about last week that like, well, Suzuki will, you know, he's obviously going to be in All Japan, but maybe, you know, who makes All Japan their home right now if they don't have to? Maybe they shut out the money and maybe uh, All Japan is going to be Suzuki's base. And maybe he's starting a new version of something Suzuki-Goon-esque. And the first guy joining forces with him is Hokuto Omori. I, I don't mind it at all. It's, it's, you know, it's a perfect guy to put with Suzuki, someone that, you know, they need to do something to get him to the next level. And, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what where that goes and if Naruki Doi is sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of a regular part of this burgeoning group going forward as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, pay for a blessing there and see what kind of group or what exactly you get out of this deal here. You know, so I, uh, why not? You know, yeah. I, I, again, we'll see what happens with – you know, Miyahara and Nomura, too, as uh, tag team champions. I wonder how long that actually lasts for, you know, as long as it Well, doesn't... the one thing it will it will lead to is, which should be incredible, is with uh, Naoya Nomura and Yuma Aoyagi winning the number one contendership match earlier on in that same show yeah. over the Saito brothers. We're going to get uh, Takuya Nomura and Kento Miyahara against Yuma Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura, and that... That legitimately has a chance to be, I would imagine it'll happen early in the year, that has a chance to be a real high-end match of the year contender. Like, I cannot imagine um, just the intensity, particularly between the two non-related Nomuras throwing forearms at each other. That's going to be incredible. There are worse things in the world, yes. (laughs) Oh, let me shoehorn this in because I feel a buster before we get to New Japan, but the Dragon Gate show... That took yes. place on Christmas Day. Um, <laughs> first, uh, Yoshioki and Ben K. Uh, really, really good match. Uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it. In any thoughts? I on did, it, but it was awesome. It th- was. Uh, it, it's. I'm getting there with Yoshioka. I don't. I like him. I like him a lot. I kind of feel about his title reign the way. Some people feel about Sayakamitani's white belt reign in stardom, but I'm starting to come around to it. Obviously, the idea of him beating all the former uh, Open the Dreamgate champions really established himself as the top guy in the company. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to buy into him big time. Huge at the end there 
with Ben K, you know, surviving everything. And he posted himself earlier in the match on his shoulder and, you know, his spear fails and ends up, he took a jackhammer, like a spear. Did we have a couple of spears to the back, which were awesome in that match as well, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. And, you know, it just was a lariat, then a cross arm brain buster, and then two frog splashes. So it was everything thrown at the kitchen sink to keep Ben K off of him. And I like Ben K a lot too. You know, I think maybe he should have some real gold on at this point. So the, but then again, it wouldn't be dragon gate if he had on real gold instead of big bobbles that he could put in the corner. <laughs> but you know, Yoshioka really good win and perfect main event coming after Takagi Shingo Takagi making his return to dragon gate. And I howled at the beginning. Cause it's like in the video they're showing, him beating up his teammate BB Hulk, you know, not intentionally, but you know, he, they got a highlight reel going and some of his big moves on BB Hulk. And then during the match, BB Hulk with his dark Hulk look, whatever you want to call this version of what he is, getting into it with, with his partner and Shingo throwing him off, Larrying, Lariatoing him uh, out of the ring. And then ultimately getting the victory over Kakuda, who I thought looked really good as well, too. Him trying yes. to get a lariat and, and really trying to show himself off against Shingo. Ultimately kicks out of the, the big lariat, the pumping bomber. But then, you know, ends up uh, falling to the last of the dragon. I thought the whole thing was really, really well done. And I thought that was, you know, really fun two matches to end off that show. For sure. I love the finishing stretch with uh, with Shingo and Kakuda. He absolutely stepped up. No, that was really, really good. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was weird to see uh, Shingo back in Dragon Gate because obviously you know that's where he spent most of his career. He watched him, but he's been just such a massive part of New Japan for the last several years that you almost kind of forget about him being a Dragon Gate guy until you see him back in that environment. But yeah, really good stuff. Um, fun way for them to uh, to close out the year on Christmas Day. He's a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer for what he brought to that company. And then he goes out and does what he does with New Japan. Granted, some of it under, you know, tough circumstances, but he took the ball and ran with it when they needed him to. And, you know, him going back there, I thought, and I thought the whole thing was perfect because he played perfectly into – there was no New Japan stardom there, really. It was just about him, you know, assimilating back in, and I thought he was yes. perfect in doing it. Yeah, 100%. This was about Shingo Takagi going back to Dragon Gate. This wasn't about Shingo Takagi, New Japan star showing up in yeah. Dragon Gate. It was No very WWE well superstar, Shingo Takagi. <laughs> yes, exactly. So... <laughs> With that, again, we're we're almost two hours into the show, so we're not we're we're going to be doing a Tokyo Dome post show at some time next week. So we'll talk a lot about the show after the fact, but let's just very quickly, very short form, run down the card and give our predictions for who will win these matches. There'll be a lot of time to talk in much more detail about them, but we've got you don't the want opener. to talk about the build to Fantastica Mania. I have all my notes here about it. The build to Fantastica Mania. There's a build. There, there can be if we want to do 17 hours on this show. <laughs> we'll save that for February, Mike. We'll uh, save yes. that for February. Uh, unless, or you, unless you've got some sort of secret podcast with Cubs fan that I don't know about, <laughs> which I would certainly listen to if you did. Um, but in this particular one, we may not have time for it. But show opens, bonus track, zero, 
A, I guess. Ryohei Oiwa against the debuting Oleg Bolton in a three-minute exhibition match. I am so hyped to see Oleg Bolton finally debut. I'm sure he'll lose here, but I just I want to see flashes of brilliance, and I'm sure we'll get it. Yeah, I think they'll actually go to a draw here. I think with the way it's set up, you know, man, imagine if Bolton got a huge victory here, but yeah. you know, even a draw would be a victory over the most highly touted of the current young lions, who's been you know in action for a while now. Uh, even a three-minute draw would be would be a statement. Yeah, I think I think you could actually do that. So I'm going with draw on that one. Yeah, I I, I think maybe I'll actually amend my pick and bow to peer pressure and go with that as well. <laughs> Uh, we've got the KOPW New Japan Rumble, where the last four participants will go on to wrestle for KOPW 2023. It's a belt now instead of a crappy-looking trophy, um, but we'll see who those four guys will be. I'm sure Taichi will be in that mix heading into the uh, heading into New Year Dash, if nothing else. Yeah, it's a small improvement with the belt, but I hate it, and it sucks, and I don't know what's going to happen, and boo, I just want the Rambo to be wacky, like a wacky Royal Rumble with none of that crap attached to it other than the crappiness of just it being a crappy Royal Rumble with legends and surprises and things like that. I don't need it to be a KOPW anything. I hate that thing. I don't care about it, but... I do care about Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, and Togi Makabe against Tatsuzumi, Fujinami, Minoru Suzuki, and Tiger Mask. Old man glory. Uh, this is going to be awesome. I uh, I don't know. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Fujinami uh, getting the victory over Togi Makabe. Um, I don't know how. I don't know why. You know, but I'll just go ahead and say that because I, I love it every time Fujinami's out there. Obviously, we talked about Hase earlier on. I love seeing Ultimo Dragon, Great Muda going away. Some of these names, I love seeing them come out. So why not? Let's give Tatsumi Fujinami the victory. I'll say someone's pin in Tiger Mask. <laughs> Fair enough. He's a junior in here. Back to the Rambo. My only prediction for that is Gino Gambino will make his return <laughs> in the Battle Royal and then do commentary live on the show. I'm with, good with that. I like that. I, I like so <laughs> the show proper opens with what should be a oh, great God. junior. I'm sorry. Wait, Can what? you imagine this slimy like group of managers backstage, like with like Albano used to be back in the day, but it's Gideon Gray and it's Gino Gambino and it's somebody else just just backstage being dirty and conspiring together. That'd be great. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Taru will uh, will sneak its way in over from Corican <laughs> from all Japan and just really really sleaze up the uh, sleaze it's up the Togo, air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the show proper begins with what should be a great junior tag title match. I'm sure it'll only get 10 to 12 minutes, but it should be awesome. TJP and Francesco Akira against Yo and Leo Rush. This is one where I expect it to be. You get Yo and Leo Rush winning the tag titles, junior tag titles. They have a short reign and drop it back maybe on the next tour. But I think we'll start with a big baby face win for, uh, for Yo and Leo Rush. I'm going to go with TJP and Akira. I mean, I should probably go with Yo and Rush, but I, I'll i go with the the Aussie Open, uh, and the Aussie Open team, my God, the uh, United Empire team getting the victory, maybe tease some dissension more between Yo and Rush, and we'll see what happens. It gets Rush home for a while, and then he comes back, and we'll see what happens from there. I, I think... I, I don't know. I, I'm really, I look, if it's Yo and Rush that, that win the belts, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever at all because I think they've been great together. But uh, I'll, I'll go TJP and Akira holding on to them. 
Yeah, I, I think you're, well, I don't know, kind of convincing me here, but I'm going to stick with you only a rush. I'd have no problem with uh, with Catch 2-2 holding the belts because they've been awesome. IWGP Women's Championship, Kyrie defending against Tam Nakano. You know I would nothing. I would love nothing more than Tam Nakano winning the title here, but I, I'd be shocked if she does. Kyrie wins here. Uh, the former Sasha Banks comes out and issues the challenge, and we get a Kyrie Sasha Banks uh, title match set for sometime in the future, maybe February 18th in San Jose. Yeah, this isn't about the Japanese market. It relates to the Japanese market and the fact that you're going to have a big star that's going to be going after the IWGP Women's Championship. But this isn't about Tam right now. It's about Kyrie. It's about you know her being a noted name to Western audience, and it's about Sasha Banks. And that is, if it's not that direction, I don't know what else you can do here. Uh, but that's the thing that makes the most sense to me. So Kyrie gets the victory. Yeah, I, I would tend to think that's the case. Uh, IWGP tag titles, FTR against Roki Goto and Yoshihashi. Talked about my sort of fantasy booking thing of having uh, FTR beat Goto and Yoshihashi here and then drop to Aussie Open on the same or on the following night at New Year's Dash. I don't think that's happening though, especially seeing how FTRs dropped the ROH tag titles. They just dropped the AAA tag titles. Seems like it's getting the belts off, all the belts off them as quickly as possible. So I will go with Goto and Yoshihashi. Yeah, and I, I've talked about it. I think if. AEW can book Aussie Open and FTR because they know that match was awesome and you can do that on a dynamite and you get Aussie Open you showcase them if you're in AEW's mind because you want them one day and they win the IWGP Tag Championships and beat FTR which plays into FTR losing on TV and coming up short and being disappointed and, and playing into that uh, you know I, I think I would go ahead and do that but otherwise no, now would be the time to go ahead and take the belts off of them and then go with Aussie Open against Goto and Yoshihashi as a feud. You know, because again, otherwise, unless it's to me, unless it's on Dynamite, like, go ahead and take the belts off of them now and then go with an Aussie Open, you know, or Goto and Yoshihashi feud because again, it's, it's this force that is continuing to rise with Osprey at the helm with a strong group. And, you know, you have them taking on a native, you know, yes, they're chaos, but that is as New Japan as it gets with those two guys. So maybe I've fantasy booked this out too much. I have definitely talked too much about it, but Goto and Yoshihashi get the victory. Yeah, I think that scenario is actually the most likely that Goto and Yoshihashi win and then drop the titles probably in relatively short order to Aussie Open. And then we have at some point, whether it be a New Japan or an AEW, Aussie Open successfully defend the IWGP titles against FTR. Uh, next up, Ren Narita, Zack Sabre Jr., the finals of the New Japan World TV title tournament, which seems like it's been done for six months, but it's uh, the finals actually coming up here. I could see this going either way. It's going to be an awesome 15 minutes if they go close to the time limit. But I will say Zack Sabre Jr. gets his first uh, singles title win in New Japan. Um, and Ren Narita, while he had a great showing in the tournament, has a big spotlight here. Um, he will, you know, it's going to be a bit longer for him to actually hold a title. I could see it going either way, though. Like, this is yeah. one of maybe the hardest. This might be the hardest match to pick on the entire show. In some ways, I'd be really disappointed if it's not Ren Narita. But the reality is, 
Zack Sabre Jr., if he's going to, if you're going to feature that belt on New Japan Strong, which would make sense if you're going to feature it in the UK on Progress, if you're going to feature it as a part of Ring of Honor and the relationship you have there, that makes perfect sense. It makes a lot of sense. I would, I, in my mind, being, you know, looking at this from a longer time New Japan point of view, I could tell you why I think Ren Narita, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him lose in the finals of this thing. I, I can tell you why I think Zack Sabre Jr. can be expendable here, but it's the philosophy of what this TV title is going to be, and I don't know what it is. So I think if I'm looking at it from a Western mind, I think it is Zack Sabre Jr. I'm going to take Narita, but, you know, what the what is this belt really going to be used for? And if it's used on other social media, if it's used to be viral, if it's used, you know, to be a thing to continue to promote them in the States, Zack Sabre Jr. might be the guy for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I... I could even see Narita eventually beating Zack Sabre Jr. for the title, but I think yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. is the guy right now. Obviously, would not be remotely disappointed if uh, if Narita wins. Next match, I have no thoughts on Tamatanga beats Carl Anderson, and we end this nightmare. <laughs> I uh, Yes, Tamatanga gets the victory, just a matter of how wacky it actually gets, so we'll see. Yeah, probably pretty wacky. I will most likely take a nap during this. Uh, <laughs> Keiji Muto, New Japan Pro Wrestling, final match. It's Muto, Tanahashi, and Shota Umino against uh, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. We talked about it last week. This, you know, It kills a few birds with one stone, gets Tanahashi and Naito in a featured match on the show. You get Muto one last match in New Japan. I'd be shocked if this ends in any other way than Muto hitting a shining wizard on Bushi and winning. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. And you hope some of it, you know, the positives rub off on Shota Umino. So, yeah, that, that's about all you could say about this. A match that is, you know, does look weird sandwiched in there compared to what, you know, the slog we've been building to for so long. And then they kind of toss that one in there and it's like, yeah, you know, OK, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a way to get Muto on the Tokyo Dome on its retirement road. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, we then have, shockingly, an IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match because it's been like seven months since we've had one. <laughs> it's Taiji Ishimori defending against Hiromu Takahashi, El Desperado, and Master Wato in a four-way. Desperados, who I'd like to see win. Um, I kind of wouldn't be surprised at all if Roma wins here at the Dome because it's the Dome, give him a big win. Kind of from Hiromu Takahashi perspective, I think had kind of been under the radar, really boring 2022. So if he does win the title here, I hope some way, somehow, they've got something fresh for him to do. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're ever going to have it happen, but God, am I ready for him to go to the heavyweight division because I've seen everything I need to see him with the juniors and there's so many fresh matches with the heavyweights. But if I had to pick, I would say Hiromu wins here. Yeah, same here. Just because until he's a heavyweight, I'm not going to believe it. And he doesn't need the belt. I don't want to really see him with the belt. I would rather see Despy with it. I, you know, and then see what you can do with him and Wato and him and Ishimori and him, you know, and other people. You know, because you could have, again, there's to me... You could do interesting things with the title, but Hiromu's your biggest star, and if he's not going to be a heavyweight, then you might as well have him win, 
and be a big feel good on the the big show. So I think that's probably the direction they'll go. Yeah. The only other thing I wonder about this is with Suzuki Goon disbanding, we really don't know where all those guys are going to filter to as far as different factions, groups, stables, whatever you want to say in the promotion. I wonder if we might see, I I don't know, this is just way out there stuff. Do you think we could see some sort of El Desperado, Hiromu Takahashi alliance that, you know, uh, they hate each other, but love each other. That's, it's been teased so many times. Maybe we actually see them on the same side in some way, shape, or form. Who knows? But, I mean, it's uh, the future is wide open for Desperado at this point. Kenny Omega could be the uh, spiritual leader of the group because he's not allowed in Bullet Club anymore. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> he is allowed in the co-main event of this show, what is pretty clearly the true main event of this show, the IWGP U.S. title. Will Ospreay defending the U.S. title against Kenny Omega. I mean, I know we know how loath AEW is to have their guys lose outside of their promotion. But I think Will Ospreay is going to beat Kenny Omega here, and then at some point Omega will get his win back over Ospreay on AEW TV. I think Ospreay is winning. That would make the most sense for New Japan, for sure. Especially when- New Japan needs to get something from a win perspective in big matches. At some point, New Japan needs to get something out of this relationship. I, to me, this is just my opinion, but unless you have something where Osprey and all of Aussie Open, or I'll keep doing that, all of United Empire is going to play some sort of hand in this match, and this leads to Kota Obushi coming back. I was wondering the same thing. And fighting <laughs> off all of those guys and Omega winning. But here's the thing. You can also do that and have, you know, treachery lead Will Ospreay to getting a visually clean win with his move, whatever move that would be he decides to defeat Kenny Omega with, and then continue the beatdown, and then have Obushi do the same thing. So... Omega does not need the IWGP United States title. He doesn't need to be walking around on AEW TV with it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for anybody. And I think the way that Omega's been downplaying Osprey so much as a cosplay version of himself, somebody who he left the reins of the company to and he's ridden it into the ground and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And he hasn't mentioned Jay White. He hasn't mentioned Okada. He hasn't mentioned other people. This has been all about Osprey. So in my opinion, this is going to be something that's going to continue. And Omega getting, you know, taking the L against Osprey here again doesn't lose anything in anybody's mind about anything, especially when you're AEW and you want to use Will Osprey. And if it's up to you, the minute he's a free agent, he's on board with you. I mean, that's that's just the way this thing goes. They're too good together to only have one match and be done with it. It just makes too much sense for this thing to continue. And that means Osprey getting the win. Yeah. And, and the other thing sort of pointing to that result that, that it sounds like we both see is that even though we had the build on AEW to this match, you know, they had that, that beat down from uh, Osprey and Aussie open on Kenny Omega several months back. They have not talked about this match at all on AEW TV. And the fact that Kenny Omega is in the co-main event or the main event, whatever you want to call it, of Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome uh, against Will Ospreay and AEW has not talked about it, that leads me to believe that Os- or that Omega is not winning. Yeah, if that's a tell, then, you know, that, that it very well may be. 
So again, the there's the Ibushi factor that's interesting to me because if he's not there, again, how do you know? Then what? Then what are we waiting for? What's what is it? Osaka in February? Where are we at here for the next? You know? Yeah, that's yeah. The big the big new big uh, new beginning show at Ediana Arena in, in uh, February is the next major show. And at that point. I don't know what exactly what his contract was, but that's usually around the time where things there's loopholes and the contracts end and this, that, and the other. So we'll see what happens, you know, but again, to me, Omega even being there, that's got to mean things are better as opposed to, or the things are at least even as opposed to bad when it comes to that relationship, because I just don't think, if there was anything really bad with Ibushi and New Japan right now, you know, uh, there's bad feelings aside, regular old bad feelings, that if he felt some kind of way, Omega wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? 100%. I think he's too loyal to his friend. I, I just, that's the impression I get. Well, yeah, and we saw, I mean, pictures of Omega and Ibushi hanging out a couple months ago in Japan. We had Omega wearing an Ibushi t-shirt this past week on AWTV. So clearly, that relationship between those two is as strong as ever. And yeah, to your point, if things were that dire, it does not seem like the type of place that Kenny Omega would go back to. So definitely something to put a pin in and see how it develops over, I guess, the next week or maybe the next couple months. Main event, IWGP world title yeah. Mike, I, I know this sounds terrible because it's Jay White and it's Kazuchika Okada and they're two of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. I don't care about this match at all. I know. I like know. A li- not even a little bit. And I'm sure it will be great when it happens, but they have done nothing, nothing to build this. This has been on the books since the G1 because yes we had Jay White defeating Tamatonga but that was a completely perfunctory defense no one thought Tamatonga was going to win this has been on the books for 4 or 5 months now and they've done nothing Jay White's been mostly in the US Okada's been off a lot they had that one tag match uh, a couple of weeks ago in Sendai but otherwise it's just two guys who have wrestled each other a bunch before and they're doing the same story again, except they're not doing anywhere near as much build. I assume Okada is winning. I'm not necessarily as much as I love Okada. I'm not dying for another Okada title reign. As much as I like Jay White, I do not need any more of Jay White bullet club heel leader as champion in New Japan. Like, I'm just kind of ready for this to be over as weird as that sounds. Yeah, and you know what? If it falls into, we're watching the Central States territory in 1983, <laughs> six, whatever. Okay, then we would be wrong. But you know, I'm ready to move on to. Even though on paper all of this should be great, it just hasn't been. None of it's been there because it's, we've seen it already. They've yeah. done it all. They, the story they're telling, they already told it. It was more fresh and more effectively yeah. told then. It's not a new story between these two. Not exactly the chic burning down the territory, but you know, it's 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 not good. And lack of ideas, a lack of doing anything, lack of even bothering. Maybe they're just trying to burn the territory down for something to come new in twenty twenty three. Maybe that is the return of Ibushi. Maybe that is the uh, you know, the eminence of Will Ospreay and, and Kenny Omega coming back in and barnstorming in and 
lighting things back up again. And Kazuchika Okada is your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Great to do that. I'm the biggest Jay White fan in the world, but Osprey has just completely mashed him this year. You know, he began it with Michael Oku, you know, and he has been hot, whereas Jay White, as good as he was, he impressed people in AEW, but he didn't bowl anybody over, I think. He's existed. Yeah, and that's, and then with Impact, and with just, he's existed just in New Japan, he was able to exist just in Impact, because Impact only just exists, you know? And that's the thing, like an Ace Austin and Chris Bay can stand out there. A guy like, you know, unfortunately, when you watch a Jay White there, it just, it dulls him. It just dulls the whole thing. So a big star in impact, it makes that big star feel smaller. Yeah. And that's just the way it goes. And long story short, Okada gets the victory. We'll see what comes next. It's interesting. There's a lot that's interesting about this year. You know, what is what are we going to see from Sonata? What's his stance? What is Naito going to do? Is he a tag team wrestler from this point? You know, who is going to be coming in from America to play and have an impact? Will it be well if it's a Jericho, will it be in the world title picture? If it's Omega, you know it will be. It will always be a title picture. So there's a lot of resetting that needs to be done here. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I'm hoping hoping that this will be the year where, yeah, not only is, yeah, we, we've seen Suzuki-Goon go by the wayside, but we need more than that as far as a true reset in New Japan because the wrestlers are there, but the stories and the rivalries and all of that just feel very stale. And so we'll see. Like, I'm, I'm excited for Wrestle Kingdom. I'm just not excited for uh, for Jay White and Okada. Um, I'm also excited, Mike, as much as I've, I've enjoyed these last two plus hours, I'm excited for us to close this show out because as we always get at the end of two plus hours, we're both getting a little marble mouth and mush brand. That's, you know, I started that way. So it's amazing. I've been able to float on for, for this amount of time, but uh, I thank you very much again for, for doing this. I thank everybody out there for listening. If you say, Hey Mike, I liked you so much doing this show. I want to support you any way that I can. I would say go to patreon.com slash mid-Atlantic mid-Atlantic podcast. Patreon. I thought there was a territorial edition of PayPal that you were launching. (laughs) Mid-Atlantic PayPal. Slash Mid-Atlantic Podcast, where I've got that thing up and kicking. I updated uh, damn near every single day. Audio, video, articles, tons of stuff. Great history on Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, but great promos from all over the place. Uh, just just check that out for me uh, on Twitter, Mid-Atlantic Pod. That's the home of that. Plus the wrestling news every single day. Make it a part of your routine. We're into 2023 now. This is an actual resolution that you can keep making the wrestling news a part of your day, updated by 9 a.m. every single day, Eastern time, between 7 and 20 minutes long. Everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling, all news, no bias, no conjecture, no fantasy booking, no rambling, no nonsense, just what you need to know to get you to where you need to be. So that's pretty much it there because you know already about the F4W uh uh, Wrestling Observer Live and, and and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm done. The the marble mouth and and brain mushes has taken over fully. Uh, on my end, wrestling at random.com or search wrestling at random wherever you get your podcast. That's the weekly show I do with my close longtime personal friend Jeremy Deemer, where we review truly randomly selected shows. Uh, again. 
uh, none more true than this coming week, this coming Sunday, where we will review episode three of Wrestling Society X. I love it. I absolutely love it. And <laughs> we also have a, a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash wrestling at random, where sometime in the next few weeks, as uh, on our bonus feed there, we will have an interview with Dr. Keith Lipinski talking about Wrestling Society X. So a bit of a, uh, a change in the format for that one edition nice. of the bonus feed. Uh, but that's coming up uh, also I will do a write-up of some sort post Wrestle Kingdom at three uh, four three count fall. Uh, Adam Summers dot Adam Summers Still trying to figure out the regularity or lack thereof of that going forward, but I will have a full Wrestle Kingdom uh, write-up sometime. Probably uh, I can't guarantee it'll be this week. It'll probably be uh, bleeding into the following week, but I'll, I'll write up that and, and some of the other stuff we talked about on this show. So that is that. We'll also have a Wrestle Kingdom slash uh, New Year Dash wrap-up show sometime uh, late in this week. And yeah, I'm done, Gus. I got nothing. Yeah, Trinity Fatu could be the king of pro wrestling champion by the time you listen to us again. But, uh, oh, yeah, if you need two more hours of me, Alan Farrell, subscribers over at Pro Wrestling Torch, did a uh, a retrospective on Terry Funk that ended up being a uh, a, a dip for, for old PPH listeners and early listeners of this broadcast, A uh, something you may want to check out. So, yeah, we're everywhere. There's always a place to listen to us, and I, we're always glad that you do, especially after two hours of this nonsense. So we shall talk to you now again after a while and whatnot.